Welcome to Growing Through Grief. I'm your host, Diana Curtis. Growing Through Grief is a weekly sprinkle of education and inspiration to help you take action that leads to personal freedom and greatness. I share powerful conversations with grief experts, spiritual advisors, and other courageous souls in this transformational podcast. I believe with the right support and the power of community, you can eliminate unnecessary prolonged grief. I'm here to teach you how to normalize, recognize, and use grief as a growth tool. I've been a champion for growth for decades since the loss of my mother. Together, we are growing. I'll give you weekly tips and small steps that will move the needle forward so that you are experiencing a healthy inner relationship with yourself. Let's get started. So welcome to the Growing Through Grief podcast. I'm your host, Diana Curtis, and I am so glad that you're here. We are gliding into season two of the Growing Through Grief podcast, and we're going to be hitting some very hot, heavy, and heartfelt episodes this year. So this particular one is not any different from what you should expect the rest of the year. But remember, we're going to be breathing compassion into everything we do, compassion and comfort into this space, because it's our intention to be gentle and compassionate and loving during each conversation while giving you some tools and principles to apply in your everyday life. So with me today is a powerful, powerful guest, Sean Costley. Sean is a Jersey brother. He's well-traveled. He's been to Guam and Spain and Hawaii and Puerto Rico, has several degrees, served in Department of Defense, and he's currently the director of the Huntsville Corporate Housing Solutions as well as the founder of Madison Mighty Men of Valor, Christian Men. And he has a lovely wife, two daughters, and a son. So welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm going to have to synopsize my my biography the way you did. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I am happy to have you on before We really get into our discussion. It just occurred to me this morning how we are connected back together after years. And it's so amazing how life happens. I was remembering when we met a few decades ago and how gentle and kind you were to me. So for those of you who don't know Sean, he's such a safe man. (laughs) I remember being in a group session with him. And it was at a time in my life when I was somewhat withdrawn or quiet, or let me just say protective of my space. But there was not one second that I felt 
I was not protected around Sean. It was almost like he was my big brother, a country girl in the city with all of these city people. And I just felt that he had my back. So I am not surprised that we are back together again and we're connecting. And well, I'm a little bit surprised we're connected in this way because I have grown quite a bit, right? <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you for our first encounters. and the energy of love and protection that you gave me. That's really my pleasure. My yeah. pleasure. God, God causes people to cross paths for a reason and, and sometimes to recross paths. That's why I normally never tell people goodbye. I always say, see you later. Cause I always think and hope at some point our, our lives will have an opportunity to intersect again. Yes. And here we are. I like that word, the recross. So mm-hmm. we are recrossing again and we are recrossing in a powerful way. So did I miss anything in the introduction? Is there anything more that you would like to share with our listeners? No, not at all. It was fantastic. I appreciate it again, the opportunity to come and, and share with you all and, and an opportunity for us to catch up again. It's always good to, to reconnect. Yes. So let me just start with this question. You and I have talked a little bit behind the scene, and I know some things that have happened, but I see where you traveled quite a bit with your father, who was an Air Force Chief Master Sergeant. So you spent most of your childhood years just moving around. Mm-hmm. And as I read that in your bio, I thought to myself, well, what was that like? What part of your life? you felt that you wanted something to do be different? Was it, did the moving around cause some angst or grief around not being with your friends for long periods of time? What was that like as a child? It was, it was good and bad. A lot of folks have to remember that, you know, back in that time, there was no internet, there was no Facebook or anything of that nature. So when you moved, unless you kept in touch by letter, Pretty much once you left one place and moved to another, uh, your friends were gone. You were literally cleaning the board and starting again, unless both of your mutual parents happened to get stationed at the same place again somewhere in the future. So when you're younger and, and you know, as a little kid, you don't think much about the, the connections of friendships, you know, kindergarten, first grade, you know, you, got, you have your little buddies and everything. It doesn't really start to hit you until you get into your high school years and and you really feel the impact. That's your first crush, you know, your first high school sweetheart, all that kind of thing. And all of a sudden you leave. And back then it, it was letter writing. If you were real good, you might be a type of letter. But it was it was letter writing back then. So friendships were a little deeper. Uh, they were a little more significant. And, you know, some of the drawbacks were, hey, you don't have oftentimes been a military brat, you don't have friends that you've known since first grade. You know, a lot of people that grow up in the same neighborhood, you know, oh, we grew up together. I've known them since I was three. You know, as a military brat, you don't get that. However, I think the trade-off is that you are able to get exposed to a variety of different cultures. Uh, so for me as a child, I spent uh, the first 18 years of my life primarily overseas. So I was, I was in a whole bunch of different countries was able to learn how to interact and appreciate people on all different social economic levels, uh, all races and religions. And you, you developed kind of a neutral appreciation of everyone. 
regardless of what their background, or you would hope so. Sometimes uh, your family may teach, overteach some of that or underexpose you sometimes to other cultures that you may be in, but it's a wonderful opportunity to get to know the people. And it's one of the things that I credit to my ability today to be able to walk into most situations with folks and, and quickly establish friendships and be able to get along with them because of my ability to, for lack of a better word, code switch, to, to bounce back and forth between cultures or as you know, Bible scholars say, Paul being all things to all people, uh, being able to make that adjustment quickly. So I would, I would say definitely was an, uh, an advantage, but right now my oldest friends are probably from the seventh grade. I mean, I have no friends from before then. Uh, and that's now because of Facebook. If we didn't have Facebook or the internet, I would have never caught up with half the folks that I know now from those grades. So it's 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 been a great thing. But those are the those are pros and cons. Hmm. I love the way you describe that because not having it's, it was an instability, but not having that stability of being in the same spot, come just growing up with the same friends throughout your life researchers label that as an adverse, it can be an adverse childhood experience. I don't know if you've ever heard of ACES, but Mm -hmm. I love the way you're embracing it, that it didn't really impact you that way until you started looking at the girls in high school. (laughs) Uh, But instead, you embrace the idea of being exposed to so many different cultures and how that has molded your life to be able to, I guess, embrace everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a great space to be in. What a mm-hmm. great way to live your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. You shared with me, we were talking about grief, death, loss, and I have to put in COVID. And you shared with me that you lost your, I believe it was your cousin. And you talked about how we've experienced so many losses that there are oftentimes when there are individuals who haven't had a chance to really sit in it, to be Mm -hmm. with it. And we were talking about some ways to really get quiet, sit back reflect on Mm -hmm. all of that. Share with the listeners, number one, you may want to share a little bit about your cousin and the experience there, and then talk a little bit about your perspective on how all the losses are happening, not only death, but losses of job, losses of health. Yeah, share a little bit about that from your perspective. Sure, sure. Yeah, we, by way of background, um, probably within this COVID frame of two to three years now, we all, I think, have either personally lost or know someone who has lost someone uh, due to COVID, complications from COVID, on top of just the natural deaths that, that have just occurred over this short period of time. But when you add the COVID factor and associated illnesses with that, so many folks have passed that oftentimes we have not really had an opportunity to grieve. I know in my personal experience, probably within this time frame, I've lost three or four very, very close p- 
people. My cousin, who you mentioned earlier, Russell Costley, who was the genealogist of the family. He, he was the chronicler. He, you know, every every family has or should have that one person, if not more, who can relay the the family history. Well, for for our family, uh, he was it, and he passed me the information. So I'm the the last of the chroniclers until I can find the quote unquote heir apparent in the family to take the knowledge to the next level. Well, you know, because of that, we were extremely close. Uh, And when he passed, there was just so much going on. And he was probably the fourth in a succession of people that I had lost in a very short period of time. I think that mentally, especially with COVID, we have gotten into a mindset of not letting ourselves grieve too much, if not at all, with the thinking that somebody else is coming around the corner. You know, someone else is is going to, you know, pass. And so I'm off to the next funeral. And I just felt I was going to one, you know, funeral after the other. And before I could really sit down and deal with the fact that one was lost, we were going into a second one and then a, a third one. And the outpouring of that I think your body kind of in a self-protective mode kind of deadens or silences that need inside of you to be able to, to be able to grieve. You know, it's kind of like if you took COVID, the COVID factor out of the equation and I had four people pass in a short period of time, the impact I know would have been a lot stronger on me and in my heart, my mind. Whereas COVID, because of this, we don't know what's going to happen next. And uh, we, we tend to kind of deaden that. So what I have been talking about was somewhere in this process, we have got to find a way to establish some time to grieve. And what I've done is, is a couple of things. And if you'd like, I can kind of, kind of lay out how I approach this for myself. Uh, if, I think it would be helpful. For, for your listeners, but can I can I do that? Is that okay? Sure, give us run? some nuggets. Give us some bites. Sure, sure. Yes. Uh, I think I think first and foremost, you you really need to kind of make an appointment with yourself to grieve. You you've got to stop the rushing. You're if you just internalize the loss of these people, it's gonna it's gonna affect your psyche. It's gonna impact your health. Uh, it may start to influence uh, negatively your perspective on life. Uh, there's a lot of, of things that we can uh, face if we don't take the opportunity and, and time out to do so. And because we're kind of in this rush, rush world and things have changed, we're now we're working from home and there's so many other things going on. The same way that you make an appointment with the doctor, uh, you need to make an appointment with yourself. Just say, you know what, Saturday, I'm just going to stop what I'm doing. And I'm going to spend some time in in thought, prayer, meditation, what have you, concerning the folks that I have lost. One, they're they're do that honor, and you're do that honor. I mean, just imagine for the first time we've had people pass that we couldn't go to funerals for, even if we wanted to, because of COVID. You know, you couldn't touch the family, you couldn't hug folks. You had to put a mask on, couldn't kiss nobody. You know, couldn't say goodbye to the to the deceased. Anything. If you're lucky, you got to watch it on Facebook or see it on live stream or something. And though that's that's okay, it's not the same as as being in that assembly to 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 celebrate 
someone's life. So uh, we need to we need to make an appointment with ourselves. And you know, you don't have to get fancy with it. I, I spent what I did was I set aside a couple of hours. I went out and got got a little bite to eat, and uh, took a walk in the park. Just kind of sat out, looked at the water, and just thought about thought about my cousin Russell, what he did for me, how he helped me to become the man that I am. Uh, I laughed at a couple of inside jokes as I thought about him and uh, cried a bit. Now, I cried kind of hard. I was out there by myself, so I can cut loose a little bit and uh, just, you know, spend some time in prayer. But to really pause for a moment and, and be able to say, you know, thank you for being a part of my life. Thank you that our paths crossed and recrossed, you know, over time and that you, uh, got me through college. You know, he was the one that slid a couple of dollars to me when I was in the dorm, you know, to, to get me through the next week and wash some clothes and yeah. buy a sub sandwich. And he was a, uh, he was a teacher, uh, at a high school and, uh, was one of the, uh, first grad uh, college graduates in our family. So he encouraged me, uh, as I was going through. And I just thought about all the times that, um, that we've gone through together. And, and so that was my way of, of being able to to uh, honor him. But we need to, to, first and foremost, I mean, my best nugget, I would say, is just to block off the time. Don't get wrapped up necessarily in the formalities of it, but take that hour. Take those, take those two hours. You know, crack open a photo album or look at your pictures on your phone and, you know, really take a minute. The Bible is, is very clear on uh, that we should, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those that weep. And there's nothing wrong with that. It bothers me when people say, you've got to keep stiff upper lip. Don't cry. He's in a better place and all that kind of stuff. Hey, you know, it's natural to cry. It's natural to mourn, even though if, if you're from the Christian perspective, we know that they're to be present, you know, that absent, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So there's nothing wrong with uh, sitting down and, and shedding some tears and um, being able to celebrate that person's right. life. So that, that would be the best nugget, you know, make the time. And then second would be to give yourself permission to mourn and, and to take that to take that time. There's no shame to it. It's needed, uh, whether you're a crier, whether you're a uh, kind of rock, you know, my mama was a rock. She, she had to sit down and kind of home to herself and get that get that little rock going. You know, everybody's kind of got their 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 way of doing it. To kind of close on that, as we were talking uh, in our conversation that we had uh, last week or so, you know, everybody mourns differently. Like I said, and when when we listened to uh, Mary and Martha as it related to Lazarus in the Bible when Lazarus passed, uh, it was funny because, you know, Martha ran out and hollered at Jesus and said, if you had gotten here earlier, my brother wouldn't have died. And, you know, Jesus, you know, told her that, uh, you know, you'll see him again. And she said, well, I know, you know, that I will. And he came at Martha very, quote unquote, spiritually, very scripturally sound and, you know, addressed her and reminded her of where he would be, uh, where Lazarus would be. And then Mary came out and said the exact same thing to him that had you not if he had gotten here earlier on time, my brother wouldn't have died. And she cried and Jesus stopped and cried with her. He didn't try to tell her, keep stiff upper lip. He didn't say to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. Right. He cried with her. He groaned, the Bible says he groaned in his spirit. That was that was his boy. Lazarus was his buddy. Uh, and so even Jesus cried, which should tell everybody it's okay to cry. You know, it's okay to mourn. It's okay to grieve. 
Wow. You have said a mouthful there. <laughs> Lots of great wisdom. So let me reflect back to you what I heard. Sure. Yeah. The main important point that I heard is the appointment with yourself. Take the time to spend some time with yourself. Now, there are those who really run from feelings and emotions. They are afraid to feel. So if that's anyone who's listening to this episode, I would just offer to you that get support, get help. And as I'm watching Sean talk about his cousin, the, the posture change, the smile on his face change. So the fact that we can have someone on the other side witnessing our memories, our love, our pain for our loved one is therapy in itself. Mm -hmm. If you're afraid to do it by yourself, find someone who can support you, whether it's some a professional or someone who can just be with you and hold you emotionally as you share your grief and your loss and your pain. And the, the statement you made about the unfinished business, you know, it's just not the norm. My brother passed last year and the memorial was outside. And although it was beautiful, you know, I still miss what we culturally do as, you know, the singing and in the church and the great food and just really having that moment of reflection together mm -hmm. as a big family about all the gifts that my brother brought to the family. That was a huge gap for us. And what you said about scripture, the Bible, is speaks volumes. So I'm going to repeat it in my words. Sure. Sometimes we think we're not supposed to cry. Well, if I, if I cry, I'm not trusting God or... Uh, especially if it was a man, if I cry, I'm weak. Mm -hmm. You just reminded listeners, Jesus cried. We didn't receive these tear ducts just to receive tear ducts. Think about mm -hmm. it if you couldn't mm -hmm. cry. So the point that you just made, it does speak volume. And just to allow yourself to cry when you need to cry, it's okay to cry. Mm -hmm. And scripture is powerful, but then there's something else on this other side of every scripture that works in our favor. Mm -hmm. I want us to heal, not push that pain down, not have it stuck in our body, which causes disease, disease, whatever. And you hit on another word, gratitude for the person who was in your life. The more we are grateful for anything, especially our loved ones, the more things we will attract in our life to be grateful for. Absolutely. So thank you for that information. And again, if there's anybody who's listening to that, to this conversation and you say, well, I'm afraid to cry. I'm afraid to feel this emotion. I don't know if I'll be able to get through it. Seek help, seek support. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just thinking as well, this kind of came to mind as you were reflecting back what I was saying. One of the things that we have in, and I think in most cultures to one, to one degree or another, is when you have a funeral, after the funeral, you had something that was called a repass. 
And the repass, if you notice when we went, and I didn't really think about it until you until you started talking, in the repass, you repass through that person's life together with family and friends. Because if you notice, everybody gets a plate. They start talking about how Uncle Jimmy did this, that, and the other. And remember when he was on the football team. And I mean, everybody starts sharing memories and good times about the, and these are people who cried a moment ago, right. uh, who are now breaking bread and, and eating and laughing about some of the good times. And not just that, being reunited with living family members who they may have not seen in a while. Because you often hear us say the only time we tend to see some people is at weddings and funerals. And so being able to come together, because we haven't been able to do that, we have to have our own personal repacks. And that's kind of that setting aside time that I was just talking about, where, like I said, you get you get self sandwich, <laughs> sit down, have a couple of laughs, have a moment. We need to repass through the life of that person mm. who has departed and, and, and have that moment to be able to do that. And that kind of closes the circle in that celebration of that person's life. Yeah, I love that. Repass, repass a whole different perspective on what that could look like. And as you were talking, I'm thinking about, you know, I built a develop a whole system around this podcast is called Growing Through Grief. I also have a growing through grief system where I'm working with loved ones who are left behind to grieve their loved ones who are no longer with them, at least physically. Mm-hmm. Walking them through that process, walking them through the process in a very gentle and compassionate way, because I know people are tired of survivor counseling, Mm -hmm. right? We can Mm -hmm. stay into counseling and therapy and even drugs for a lifetime and still have that, that gapping hole in our heart. So I thank you for reminding me of that repass process and knowing that there's support out there, out here for all of us. And that's something that I do. I'm so happy that I do what I do to support people in Mm -hmm. moving through the pain of loss and grief. Let me ask you another question. Sure. What would you tell someone who is drowning in pain, grief? And they may even be listening to this episode. They may have lost individuals back to back. They've heard our conversation, but they're mm-hmm. still stuck. What'd you tell them? Yeah, I, I think that even, even with pain, as much as you can, you, you have to take it on in, in small doses. That's why when you see, unfortunately, situations where you lose three, four people, you know, in, in one blow, our mind has a hard enough time grasping the departure of one person more so than grasping the the departure of several. And so there's immediately defense mechanisms go up. Your mind's trying to quantify what in the world is going on. And, And sometimes you really do have to kind of step back and just kind of take this in small pieces. First, if you need help, you need to signal that you need help. No one should have to go through such a large situation alone. You're not a bigger man if you do or a lesser man if you don't. But you've, you've got to reach out 
and and get some help. Uh, so we need to be sensitive uh, to that. And then secondly, like I said, you're going to have to take these in, in small pieces. What are we going to do about the pain of losing mom? What are we going to do about the pain of losing losing sister? And be able to take it into smaller chunks. It's like anything. It's like New Year's resolutions. You know, you can't come up with seven New Year's resolutions and expect to do all seven in one shot. It's just too much. It's yeah. too, despite your best intentions. Sometimes our best intentions to get through pain, it's just too much hitness at one time that we're trying to take on. You know, I'm still dealing with daddy's situation and I just lost mama. I'm trying to deal with mama's situation. Now everybody's mad at me because I'm in charge and they don't like the fact that I'm in charge of mom's affairs. And it's just, and so now we're, we're trying to get our minds wrapped around all of that, where we have to find and ask ourselves, what is the most important thing that I've got to take care of today? You know, and oftentimes when you're in a lot of pain like that, the first person you got to take care of is yourself. Yeah. You got to have that self-preservation's got to kick in and you can't feel guilty about it. You know, as parents sometimes, oh, it's it's all about the babies, got to deal with the children. And it's like, listen, you can't deal with the children until you can deal with yourself. When you're in that plane and them oxygen masks drop down, the pilot says, put yours on first, mm-hmm. then put the mask on your child. Okay. So in a lot of ways, we've got to put our mask on. We got to breathe first. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, we, we have to take them first couple of deep breaths. We may have to tell the family, look, I'm going to walk in this other room. I'm going to close this door because I need a minute. And then get myself centered, Mm -hmm. get myself prayed up or worked up or fired up or motivated, agitated, whatever thing you're going to get behind that door and then come out with with some strength to be able to take those things on. And then you look at what is the next priority and you work on these priorities one at a time. You eat an elephant one bite at a time. It's the only way you're going to get it done. You cannot take on a massive amount of pain. The hospital, when you go in and a massive amount of pain and injury, they do what's called triage. They work on the most important thing first. And then they work off until you stubbed your toe. That's minor compared to your arm about to fall off. So we're going to deal with the most important things first. And sometimes that might take you asking somebody, hey, I think I'm going in the right direction with this. Is this the most important thing out of these seven that I have to do? Sometimes you've got to rely on that voice that speaks to you on the inside to say, okay, after you take care of yourself, Diana, all right, now you need to deal with your daughter or now you need to deal with your with your son. And you take those on. Once you set that course, then you stay on that course undeterred. Don't let anybody tell you you shouldn't be crying. You shouldn't feel the pain. You know, you can't do this now. That's that's not really their call to make. They can recommend and in a multitude of counselors their safety. But in the end, you make the decision. It didn't say the multitude of counselors makes the decision. They just said they're 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 the safety net. You're the one that's got to make the, the decision. So in summary, I would say start with yourself. You know, it's self-preservation mode. Take off small bite-sized pieces once you decide what are the most important pieces and work those pieces one at a time. It may take a long time. Uh, You'll oftentimes hear people that when they go through a a mourning or a a painful situation, you'll often hear advisors say, don't make any major decisions that first year. Just don't. You you got a lot going on. You don't want to make an emotional decision 
You want to make a rational decision. So don't worry about where money's going and who's going to get what and all that. You focus on taking care of these other things in your heart and mind first so that you can start making rational decisions for everyone else. But in this case, you are going through the pain. You are the most important person. You are exhibit A right now. So we're going to deal with, with exhibit A. Beautifully said. As you're talking, I'm remembering the quote that says, every moment is a fresh beginning. Mm-hmm. And when you said, you breathe first, you breathe first. Self-care is everything. Mm-hmm. And I just want to add that find a safe community. Healing happens in community, mm-hmm. whether it's in your church or wherever it is, with people that you tr- uh, trust. And trust reminded yeah. of your uh, organization, Madison's Mighty Men of Valor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine it's a very safe group. So for any man that's listening to this episode, hey, you want to look Brother Sean up? Because <laughs> I know everybody <laughs> already feel how safe you are, Sean. I appreciate it. Yeah, okay. feel free to chase me down on Facebook. I'm, I'm on there every morning. Glad to help. Yeah. So what? Yeah, let's do that. Tell people, well, in the show notes, we will be telling people where you are. Anybody that who would like to get in touch with you after this uh, episode. But here's the good news. Sean has agreed to do another episode because this is just not enough. This is not enough. And I know the listeners are agreeing with me. But before we end this episode, is there anything else you would like to share in terms of what you're up to or anything else you would like to share with the listeners? really would just encourage everyone to really take some time out to to incorporate uh, a lot of what we talked about today. You know, it's important that I often tell people kind of as a nugget or takeaway uh, with this is that you need to move at the speed of education. In other words, when you are given an answer, that's when you need to take action. Otherwise, you just end up with a library full of books in your in your house that express or show what you may have know or may not know, but you haven't applied. Uh, and, and woe be unto you, so to speak, if you know someone has given you an answer today and you're still talking about, I'll do it Monday, I'll do it next week, uh, what have you. I, I don't believe in uh, coincidences or what my, my little daughter used to call coincidinks. You know, I don't believe in those. I believe that that you're you're in the hearing of what's being said for a reason, and so move at the speed of education. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, or in other words, do now what you know now to do, and take what's being said today and, and apply it to your life so that you can start seeing some changes, get some of this pain and grief lifted, uh, because we want to guide you to the what's next, and not have you just flounder around in the in the what's now. Yes. Beautiful. Love that. Love that. So thank you again for saying yes, for coming on to the show. Sure. My pleasure. Yes. I just want to remind the listeners to remember to remember to get support when you need it. And remember, Sean is not going anywhere. He's coming back on next week. So in the meantime, we will see you next week and you keep on growing. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Growing Through Grief and being part of this loving community of women. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share and spread the word. Let's help all women become richer and more nourished in their heart so that they're able to just keep on rising. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas, or you would like to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at coachingtotheheart.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep on growing.